Welcome to Gross Anatomy. We are live with Gross Anatomy Podcast, the show that explores the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture. And movies, TV, books, and Mark Foyer scenes in the world around us. I see. I was blocking you from your little signature introduction. That's you blocked awesome. me. Yeah, but that's okay. And I, I, intro, I intro blocked you. Yeah, you are an intro blocker. <laughs> an intro You're blocker. still blocking me. <laughs> Story of my life, Jay. I'm sorry. That's okay, because I am Dr. Jason Cohen, and my co-host is... Raya O'Neill. And today we're joined by or with. I don't know what the proper English is. Is it by or with? Well, I think it's by. We're joined by or we're joined with? Or we're here with. We're here, we're joined by, we're joined with. Uh, is this a podcast on language? I mean, <laughs> what what is happening right now? Is this a grammar? We need a, are, you, are you a, are you a, are you a doctor? Are you a PhD in lexicography? You are the Ivy League guy, Mark Feuerstein. Who yes, we are joined together amongst yes. us now. Sure. So I figured because you have your Ivy League degree, you'd be able to help us. But but alas, but I, be- I believe in in writing. We are not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition. Is that uh, fair to say? Thank you. We don't want to say, this is Mark Feuerstein, who we are here with. We want to say, this is Mark Feuerstein, with whom we happen to be speaking. Oh, unless my you're, God. Unless you're Yoda. And yes. Then, Which, then by the way, okay. is how I've always uh, sort of perceived you to be. <laughs> I'm a little Yodish. But mostly just purely in the physical way. Right. I'm Yodish, but I'm also Jewish. Hey, look who's doing that. Speaking of which, today is a dual holiday episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm missing one? Well, I know it's St. Patrick's Day. I am Black Irish, for those asking. My last name is O'Neill. Right. Are you? Are you indeed? I like to, I claim myself as one. Sure. Can you say your full name? Say the whole thing. Raya Simone O'Neill. Ooh, I like it. Right? Yeah, it's good. So no Irish blood in that, O'Neill? I don't know. I got to do the ancestry DNA. But what's the other holiday? It's a Jewish one. Purim. Oh my God. I knew that. Did you guys fast yesterday? Uh, No, it's not a fast holiday. It's a- No, yesterday there was a fast. Oh, there was? Before the fa- before the holiday is Ta'anit Esther. The fa- Wow. How do you know that, Rhea? I've got a lot of Jewish friends in my circle. Wow. Yes. It's the fast beforehand to kind of- pay tribute to Esther, who's kind of the hero of, uh, one of the heroes of this whole thing. Have you ever actually done the fast on Purim? I never have, but I know people, people who have. Okay. Erev Purim, yeah. But uh, it's a good holiday. It's, it's one of those silly, fun holidays. Do you, do you celebrate it at all? Uh, we, I was pretty busy with Purim this year. Um, you know, there are lulls in a career as an actor. And so for our shul, our synagogue, Ikar, uh, I was in not one, not two, not three, but four sketches for our Purim Spiel. In wow. one of them, I played a doctor. Nice. His name is Dr. Anthony Fauci-Steen. Because <laughs> last year when I Fauci-Steen played- Fauci-Steen or Fauci-Steen? Well, that's something for the rabbis to discuss. Or the writers, either way, same thing. Yeah. Um, Last year I played Fauci and in my speech, 
to the congregation, I converted mid, midway through. So to continue in that vein, I was Dr. Fauci's team, and I went to the Glot Kosher Market. I don't know if you're familiar with it on Pico, uh, where I went inside and asked the Orthodox Jews who were shopping there how they felt about the repeal of the mask mandate, knowing it had really changed their lives so much. Nice. It didn't. Because they never wore a mask, let's be honest. Was that uh, a well-received skit? Uh, Yes, I think it went well. It was was edited very well, because they cut out a lot of the fat of me trying to be funny. (laughs) Is there a recording of that somewhere? Yeah, I have have it. I can send it to you. Interestingly, Purim is one of those holidays where everything is supposed to be a joke. Like, you're not supposed to take anything serious. Oh, um, I saw a guy in a costume today. Right. Yes, it's not a, exactly. Yeah. Oh. It's it's Jewish Halloween, but more fun and less scary. And there's yeah. candy and all that stuff. My father, for my whole life, has been the one to lead the children at the synagogue in the Purim, you know, like festival and lead them in, you know, using their noisemakers with their groggers and whatnot. And uh, I want to show you a picture of my father, but I don't have it, so forget it. Oh, it was going to be cute. You know, speaking of fathers... Oh, no, here it is. Here it is. Sorry. That's my father, 84 years old. Oh. Leading all the kids at Parky Synagogue, which is very close to where Jason went to, uh, you know, his little yeshiva, Ramaz, on the (laughs) Upper East Side. Anyway, it's a bunch of Upper East Side Jews you're hanging with, Raya. I'm used to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I love how By the way, dad, you know more about Purim than I do. She knows about the fast. The I know. But but you and I, actually all three of us growing up in New York, because Ray is from New York too. Oh, I didn't know that. Ray, yes. talk to me about New York. Wait, you're going to die. When, well, don't die, but maybe. Uh, um, okay. I well, used we, to watch, luckily, we have a doctor on the Zoom. We there have a go. doctor. We have a guy doctor. plays a doctor. We have me. I used to work at Nick and Tony's. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you tell us that, I noticed the first layer has come off. The first layer has come off. Very nice. One layer oh, off. You said this was a strip podcast. <laughs> it's a strip podcast. Nice. Every time like somebody it. says something funny, I have to lose a, you know, exactly. an item of clothing. Perfect. So, uh, luckily, um, luckily, I'm starting with a party downtown. You know what I'm saying? Oh, come on. Come on. No, I'm not. Maybe. I'm you don't know. You don't know. Oh, no, wait, Rhea, you worked at Nick and Tony's? And you would come in all the time, but I was I was a teenager. Oh, Teen- my God, of course. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tell me about the observations regarding the seating of the Hamptonites. God. Thank, courtesy of the czar of Nick and Tony's, Bonnie. Bonnie. Or, uh, or Mark. Kirsten, who was amazing. Yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Kirsten. And, yeah. I'm sorry. Say that again. K-Bay, you call it. K-Bay, K-Bay. Um, but, but Bonnie was kind of a scary person back oh, then. Oh, yeah, she because... like, checked the bathrooms. I'm like, oh, my God, yes, ma'am. Wait, why would she check the bath- bathroom? Well, that was a part of my duty is because in the bathrooms, they got messy during ah, the night. Okay, got like, it. Okay, so now I know. Oh, so what, yeah, about, what if you tried to, like, upset the order of who got sat at a table? What oh, if I you think. had a friend come in and you were like, Bonnie, I'm just going to seat him at 32? Never. I would never even try it. Okay, got it. I had one woman come in, I remember. She was like, I'm Adam Sandler's mother. I was like, I don't see Adam, so you could oh! be lying. Did I didn't you say that? No, but I was kind of like, I'm so sorry, but unfortunately, like, there's nothing I can do. 
And wait, were you in the city and you were spending time out in the Hamptons or were you like out there? So I'm from there, born and raised in East born Hampton. Born in East in East Hampton or born in the city? Born in East Hampton. Oh my God. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Holy cow. True. I, feel a, I feel a little left out. You've never well, been? Well, I don't know. Then my work is done here. I don't know from Nick and Tony's. What is that? Nick and Tony's is a legendary place in the Hamptons. It is the hot spot for dinner. It is an amazing restaurant and it's a hard table to get. It it was a hard table to get. If we're getting really in the weeds on the Hampton life, which I know from my fancy lawyer brother who is living that existence and has recently gotten a house um, in Sagaponic. Uh, the people who used to frequent Nick and Tony's, like the equivalent now, have private chefs and don't go to restaurants as much. Right, right, right. And Rhea, what you were the I was reservationist hostess. Wow, so you you were the gatekeeper. Yeah, but honestly, like being that at Nick and Tony's puts you in a rarefied realm of power. Compared to any other restaurant from, you know, the end of the 495 freeway back to New York City, because that place is the only one that mattered out there. Yeah. So what I want to know is, did you ever not seat Mark when he came in? Did you ever like... No, oh my God, you were here. I remember you came one time with J-Lo. Oh my God, yes, yes. (laughs) Great one, Rhea. This is unbelievable. Okay, now you get a story that you did not... Even Jay, how brilliant are you that you chose this partner for your podcast? She is so good. And this story you're getting, I would never have any reason to tell anywhere else. <laughs> I, uh, I have a dear friend from the first TV show I ever did in LA, Leah Remini, who is a brilliant actress. What show? Well, you, you, we did Fired Up together, which you would never have heard of. But she did King of Queens, which you would have heard of. And she also, you know, took down to the extent that you can the Church of Scientology on her amazing docu-series on A&E. And she's the best. She's like total New Yorker from Bensonhurst, calls it like it is. She would, she would have an expression, I remember, like bottom of the pool. Bottom of the pool, she's not that pretty. You know, bottom <laughs> of the pool, you're not that funny. Right. Um, whatever it is, she tells you, tells it, calls it like she sees it. And she's very close with J-Lo, so... Uh, she ended up trying to set J-Lo up with Andrew Lauren, who is the son of Ralph Lauren and a friend from high school. And we, and the, and the idea was to, to take him to dinner at Nick and Tony's or that, that we should all go with a group. And there was a friend of J-Lo's from Miami and Leah and me. And I was there as lubrication for the conversation and a facilitator, basically. Right. Which I'm, you know, born to do, not much more than that, but that I can do. And we had a great time. I mean, it was a lovely dinner. Nothing ever really happened, but I had a blast. Nice. And we were well taken care of by Rhea. That was go. me. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a fun, slightly awkward dinner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, so as New Yorkers, I wanted to get your thoughts, what, St. Patrick's Day means to you guys. I I know that's not the purpose of the podcast, but since it is St. Patrick's, you know, I have certain memories of being a New Yorker kid 
and St. Patrick's Day. Do you? Do either of you guys have St. Patrick's Day like memories at all? No, okay. I mean mine are all like the Montauk Parade was always like a trash box. All these people from the city would come in, take the train out, and get hammered. Well, do you have any memories? Uh, I mean, the bars we used to go to when we were in high school were Irish bars, and I'm like McSorley's was McSorley. one of them. Uh, I forget the names of the others, but I have no memory of anything interesting happening except a, a bunch of guys, you know, rolling around outside the bar and being drunk. And maybe in college there was green beer in a punch bowl. Beyond that, I got nothing. It in my nothing. memory, my memory of being a New York kid, St. Patrick's Day was my parents telling me that I can't be outside. Like you got to right after school, you got to get home. You got to be careful. You know, they'd make my mom would even make sure to pick me up early because it was New York was a madhouse on St. Patrick's Day with the parade. It was like a dangerous, crazy kind of like what's that movie with Kurt Russell? You know, gangs, not gangs, you know, the thing in New York. What, what was that? movie? It's, it was kind of like that. Uh, the Warriors. The Warriors, maybe a little bit like the Warriors, yeah. Or Escape from New Escape York. Escape from New York, yeah. yeah. It was a little bit like Escape from New York, I remember. It was scary. Like, for me, it was scary. As a little kid, it was right. a scary place. But you also had, uh, you know, you were a little mama's boy, and your mama didn't want you to get hurt. I was well, a shelter, too. To that, that is definitely... Were you? Yeah, totally. I, I was see. a sheltered... You're, you're reminding me of a bit that Larry David did at this event I was once at for this, the Waterkeeper Alliance, which actually involves a controversial figure right now, Bobby Kennedy Jr., who has only been ever nice to me, but I know he's like a little unpopular right now on uh, the Democrat side because of his anti-vax stance. But he was like the, he, he was a hero for the water bodies of America and the world over with this Waterkeeper Alliance. And uh, Larry David was close with him because he's married to Cheryl Hines, who plays Larry's wife on Curb. Anyway, this is a long way to go for a, a short a little moment. But Larry David made a speech at the event comparing the Davids to the Kennedys. And he had like 10 amazing comparisons. But one of them was the Kennedys woke up in the morning and the mother said, go outside and don't come back till it's dark. <laughs> The David household said, don't go out there. Nothing good can happen to you out there. That's great. That's the that's what, that's what happened in the Cohen house. That was the Cohen house, too, I, yeah. I think, a little bit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, Rayo and I wanted to discuss... We're ju I'm jumping already. I'm, jump I'm jumping to... I love it, and I also have a, a slight, a healthy amount of terror because you actually have an agenda, but I have no idea what it no, is. No, I want and you to know I, I actually have wait. no agenda. I can't normally wait. try to prepare, but it's been a hectic last 12 days that I have zero agenda. But the only agenda I want to do is I want to give a shout out, happy birthday to Dana. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. What did you guys so wind nice. up doing? You couldn't podcast yesterday because of the birthday. Yes, it was a it was a tough day, and I'm so sorry that I I messed up the schedule. So apologize. I hate to be that guy, and uh, I had to cancel for... three surgeries because uh, of I was There's one guy in the ICU now. Thanks to you. Okay. Okay. Well, you <laughs> did you know. do anything special for go you, out? You should explain to him it? that it was both Purim and Dana's birthday. Right. I think he'll understand exactly that his spleen is still not back in his body. There you go. Um. We we celebrated by watching by ordering delicious food 
from Moro's Cafe, which is at Fred Siegel. Delicious pasta. Oh my God, I love Moro's. Yes, the, so the good. pesto pasta is the best. Uh, oh, I've never had that. Oh, it's my favorite. That's Look at me. Have. I love when I like, can like provide insight on LA spots because I'm kind of new wow, here. Wow, we're, we're doing some good plugs. We got to get like sponsor, yeah. sponsor us now. And they should give deliver us something love. for all these. deliver uh, dinner. I yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, Rhea, we have been living parallel lives in the culinary scene. You and Seriously. I. Nick and Tony's. Great Moro, White. Bi-Coastal. Great White. Yes. Wait, why did... Oh, Great White came up earlier because I I was going to discuss... Sorry, total tangent, Jay. Uh, we had a great night. We watched Survivor and ate Moro's food. But on a separate front, the other night, I met up with two buddies from New York, from high school. One went to Fieldston, one went to Dalton. At Dalton. Great, Dalton. And, and I went to Great White on Larchmont. But in the discussion, both of them suggested Great White, and I instantly pounced on the one that was incredibly geo-desirable for me. But Rhea is talking about the Great White in Venice, which was geo-desirable for my friend Mike, but I instantly made a res at the one on Larchmont, and they had no choice, and so they all had to come to me. And in L.A., I was saying to Rhea, that's a big issue when you're getting together with anyone, which, by the way, Zoom has solved for so many of us. Right. No one's on the 101 at four o'clock because you could do it like this. Right. But when you're meeting with friends, it's like a negotiation. And I have a couple of friends who have become harder with age to like relent any travel towards where you are or even find the geo midpoint. It's like you're coming to Brentwood. And it's like, no, I don't want to go to Brentwood. Right. <laughs> what is great light? Oh, my it's God. It's a cool. Yeah. T- say, Rhea. It was bad. I don't get out much. They have vegan options. It's an all-day cafe, Australian-owned. Um, location in Venice, new location in Larchmont, and in May we're opening up in on Melrose. Oh, nice! Yeah. Well, that kind of food. Farm to table, like fish tacos, salads, pizzas, amazing brunch. They have a delicious chicken Caesar salad. They yeah. have a delicious <laughs> uh, crispy chicken sandwich. Yeah. They make a nice piece of salmon. Oh my god, the coconut curry salmon's delicious. Yeah. So I told Rhea the story of how I'm driving somewhere. I guess I was driving home one day and I think I get a phone call from you. It wasn't even a text. I think I get a phone call from you and or maybe it was first a text and then I called you and and I start having a conversation with you and you're having a conversation with me, but you don't know who I am. This was amazing, Ray. And it was, this was so and I'm being funny. Me, and you're like enjoying the conversation and being you. And I'm thinking we're being us together and that we're having our normal, typical banter. And then you start asking me weird things like, can I show up with my daughter at this particular time? And I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you, could, you guys could come by. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and then after a while, I'm like, Mark. Who, who do you think you're talking to? Who were yeah. you talking to? Yeah, Dr. Jeffrey Cohen, orthodontist to my daughter, Lila. Right. Who is, 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 a, is a wonderful orthodontist, but uh, who instills some fear in me because I've, we've been to him about 20 times and I was uh, probably coming for the 21st, hoping that finally my daughter's braces would come off. And so I'm walking on tiptoes, sort of, with Jason, but 
Jason, when I tell Jason that I have this little amount of fear because of the extensive amount of work that has been done, Jason's like, so why are you being so all like polite and nice and giddy with me? And I think Jason found the crucible of my pleaser-dumb as a human because I was just going along with it, even though it might have been a slightly different conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I was amazed that we that we talked for a, it, it, we didn't even sh- talk for a, a short amount. We were having like conversations and you just had no you probably were so fixated on the I'm calling the dentist that you only heard the dentist and didn't hear me like that really shocked me. Like we talked for a while. Yeah. And having a conversation and you had no idea that I was Jason Cohen as opposed to dentist Cohen. If we can move from the doctor of uh, physiognomy into the doctor of psychiatry and psychology, let's analyze it for a second. Um, I think what you're saying, Jason, is the familiarity with which I spoke to you suggested that you could be literally anybody and I might still have the same banter. And perhaps on some deeper level, you were a little like... So does this guy just give it up for anybody? And do I have anything with this particular person? I, was I thought a, I have a I was special a friendship jealous. with Mark. I was a little jealous of your dentist after that. Ah, you shouldn't be, I assure you. The Thank only you. conversation I've had is awkwardly sitting there going, when are they coming off? Right. Have Dr. Cohen. Are they off now? They're off on the top. Oh, they're off on the top. 15 years old, 10th grade. Oh, eight, eight years later. I mean, let's go. Get him yeah. off the bottom, the girl. I mean, at some point, there may be a makeout session. I mean, not anytime soon from where I sit, but I at know. some point. So, in, so your our daughters are the same age, right? You yes. have a 15 year old. So, my youngest is the same age as your oldest. Yes. Um, is my daughter has a Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let's get, hi, we're back on Gross Anatomy. Let's get into it. It's, 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 you know, it's very, it's, you know, my eldest daughter, Liat, who you know, has had a long-term boyfriend, but it's weird that my baby has a boyfriend now too. It's very bizarre. So have, have, has your kid had a boyfriend yet? Uh, not at all. Not at all. It's not on the table just yet. But I think, you know, COVID has uh, slowed things down for right. their generation and yeah. their current experience of that, all of that. I yeah. mean, it, you know, combine not being able to go to school and be in person for two years at the very moment of your adolescent awakening with the fact that the reason you're not going to school is because of germs that are passed from your mouth and nose and you you might have the effect of not wanting kids who don't know each other and don't live together to kiss or so you're doing but good, but but I believe it sounds like you're doing a good job scaring your kids then that's good no, wow how well, do you they, know she have a boyfriend? They, I'm sorry say that again how do you know she doesn't have a boyfriend I I know <laughs> would I she know. tell you do you think we're, she would we're admit a, to you? a codependent you know very close knit family and she would she, tell you. She would tell me, yes, absolutely. She wouldn't I mean, hide it from you? She no. wouldn't be embarrassed? There may come a time where that is true, but we're not there yet. She's right, a right. very, very good girl in 
all senses of that term. Having a boyfriend doesn't mean you're a bad girl. Both no, I know. I just mean, I mean, she follows rules and she doesn't want, like, she doesn't keep secrets. She's, like, very, yeah. very uh, attentive to us at this moment in time. There is perhaps something, a phenomenon happening right now, and I don't know if you can confirm or deny this, but, like, there are parties and Lila doesn't go to all of them. She's been to one or two, but, like, I think the kids are kind of, going strong in the other way, some of them making up for lost time. Oh. Really? Not my daughter, but some are making up for lost time on all fronts. Misbehaving or just behaving, it, you know, with whatever whatever it is. A little drinking, maybe yeah. other things, a little, uh, definitely dating. Fortunately, I don't know of that yet either, per se. But you said your daughter has a boyfriend at the same. What's going on? They're very I think they go very. I mean, who the hell knows? You know, she's not going to tell me, you know, the gritty details, but it seems like they go pretty slow. But but maybe that's just the dad and me hoping they're going pretty slow. Okay, Uh, but I mean, even though I had to do the talk because my wife, Bernice, didn't want to do the sex talk with her and be careful and stuff. She made me do the talk. So I did it while driving in the car with her so that we're facing forward and not having to look at each other. And it was very uncomfortable. But I, we did the talk. By the way, the facing forward thing, there's a French term for that. It's, it, in France, they have those old wrought iron staircases that wrap around and they call it l'esprit de l'escalier. The freedom you feel when you're not looking at each other, walking down that staircase, allows for things to come out that are hard to talk about. Oh, wow. And th- there's actually a lot of um, either TED Talks or, or, or not, not so much research, but, but a lot of experts and therapists talk about that that's actually a great way to talk to your kids or have any kind of hard conversation with someone is, is like in a car-like setting when you're kind of both sitting looking forward. And it, it definitely makes the conversation easier. There's actually a beautiful scene. Have you guys seen the movie Coda this year? Not yet. No. Oh, you got to see it. It's it's just amazing. I hope it wins the Academy Award. It's such a beautiful movie. And there's a beautiful scene between a boy and a girl in high school who are singing a duet. And they're at first they have to look at each other when they're singing and they're completely stiff and they can't do it. And the boy suggests, hey, why don't we just go back to back and sing that way? And then, of course, it's like absolutely amazing and beautiful because they have oh, the freedom funny. of not looking at each other. It's really true. I thought that movie's about uh, the hearing impaired, right? It is. It's, it's, CODA stands for Children of Deaf Adults. And the girl in it, the main character who's fabulous, she, is, uh, she can hear. Her parents and her brother can't. And, uh-huh. she, and she sings, which is all the more, uh, I don't know, moving because they can't hear her. Mm. But she's got a beautiful voice and she's wanting to break away from the family's fish business where they go out on boats in Gloucester, Massachusetts to, to go to, uh, I think, I forgot what the name was, whatever the school, a Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And uh, it's just beautiful. You should definitely check it out. Watch with your kids or family. It's just amazing. It's one of those movies that hasn't been advertised at all. It's kind of like a sleeper talked about thing. Yeah, which I love. I love when a movie catches on the way they used to do in the the olden days when there were, 
you know, movies that weren't just blockbusters or, you know, a streaming show. There were these middle range, middle budget movies like James L. Brooks used to make that were really just about humans and great characters and they could catch on like Terms of Endearment or Broadcast News. Um, there's some, but not many. And, and this is one of those. It was actually made for like three, $3 million and sold at Sundance for $25 million and wow. is now out on Apple TV, I think. When you... When you I like to I plug why. When, things when I'm not in at all. Right, that was nice. When you mentioned James L. Brooks, I, I don't know why um, I think of uh, Lost in America. Yeah, that's uh, that's Albert Brooks. You think that's of Albert right, Brooks. but I but I thought of Albert Brooks, who was in Broadcast News. Correct, right? correct. Yes. They were friends, and I was in a movie with Albert Brooks called The Muse, in which I played a uh, an asshole studio executive who fires him from the studio. And I say to him, hey, man, it's okay. You're losing your office. We're all just renting space here. I'm where Lucille Ball used to be. He goes, I wish you were where she is right now. (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's great. You remember that line. And what I need to know, what you're working on now. So a couple of things. I most recently, uh, you know, got popular with the nine-year-old set in a show called Babysitter's Club. Uh, I am on a show called Ghost, which is of the power universe on stars. Um, it started, it's a show produced by 50 Cent and uh, created by Courtney Kemp, who has like five spinoffs on stars from Power because that universe became so popular. Yeah. Uh, Ghost is the first of the spinoffs. Um, and other than that, I, I am a writer and I, I, I'm pitching shows. We just had a pitch today for uh, Paramount Plus uh, for a YA action adventure show that we're trying to sell. Um, different things, you know? Wow. Yeah. And you lately you've been playing so so that power thing I heard I apologize I haven't seen it but I heard you play a vi- a bad guy right I play an asshole but he's not necessarily a bad guy I play a Democratic National Committee uh, executive who is advising uh, Lorenz Tate who's a great actor who I get to act with he he's running for uh, governor or uh, city council I think in New York City right now. And I'm sort of a guy who is keeps warning him that there's no way he's going to make it. But, you know, somehow he keeps finding a way to get in. And we, he, he blackmailed one guy or, or blackballed him by releasing some horrible photos of, of the guy who was in office. And he, he's finding a way. But it's all about the levers of power in New York City, from drug dealers to politicians to, uh, to you know, gangsters. Are you a regular on the show? Not a regular, no. I'm a recurring character. Nice. You made me think of one of my favorite lines from a movie, Wreck-It Ralph, one of the greatest movies. No, wow. is great. ready for the line? Yeah. Just because I'm a bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. Wow. Don't you love that line? That's a good line. That's a, yeah. that's like a, that, that I, line I could describe Tony I think you could probably do a better line reading of it. I but am I hoping like that, that the, the actor who plays that character is Christopher Walken. Is it? I don't know, but how, no. however you did that line, it, it felt like it should have been. A, l- a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember that Just SNL? because I'm a bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. Oh, that's good. Remember? Um, John C. Riley plays Rucker Ralph. Yes, but it's the bad guy. They're sitting around with the bad guys in, in like therapy, bad guy therapy. 
Okay. And one of the guys goes, just because I'm a bad guy, but he's like a Russian big, you know, bad guy. He goes, doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. It's a cute line. I really like that. <laughs> from from Christopher Walken to Borat. I love right. the span, it's a more, yeah. the, the versatility. Did you ever see that? What was that Christopher Walken movie where he touches you and could see your future? Do you remember that movie that came out when we were kids? No, no, I don't. I don't know it, what that is. And and he wound up like working for like some politician or something who was running for president. And he touched him and he saw that had he become president, he would have been a Nazi. So he decided he would have turned America into Nazism. Oh, my God. I don't know oh. this movie. Is this a very famous movie? It was famous in the day, so much so that SNL did this great skit with Christopher Walken as a guest. And he would go around doing the same thing, you know, touching the SNL cast members going, I see your dry cleaning is going to get dirty. You know, so like it was like the spoof on it. You know, that was just ridiculous. But uh, I don't know that sketch, but I do know uh, more Cowbell, please, which is just fantastic. Have you ever seen that one with no. Christopher Walken? No. Are you kidding? I got a fever for the flavor and the only cure for I got a, I got a disease and the only cure for, for it is more Cowbell, please. What about West Side Story, Mark? Did you see West Side Story? I did not. Uh, really? I did not. Have you seen it? I, I have and I loved it. You did? I did. Okay, well, it's yeah. doing very well with the Academy Awards. Yeah, I, I really, I didn't know what to think because I'm a big West Side Story fan. Like, love West Side Story. And I was very, very happy with it. I'm surprised you haven't seen Are you not a big West Side Story fan? I mean, I love it, but I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. i uh too busy with Coda, and I saw The Power of the Dog, which oh, I was I not... I was not a fan of. I did not love. It's a very art, artsy feeling, but actually just a little slow and not that great. Right. I heard mixed things. Yeah. Did you see Licorice Pizza? Did, I did see it. Um, and I am a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Um, I didn't go crazy for Licorice Pizza. I liked it fine. Um, I wanted to love it. Yeah, it was sweet. I mean... It was sweet, and I was absolutely, like, I found the performances were great. Those guys, those kids are all kind of bursting with hormones and emotion, and it's, like, full of life, but, it, you know, it just... And there were some great sequences, like when the truck is parked on the hill and rolling down the hill, and the scene with Bradley Cooper as um, Barbara Streisand's ex-husband, uh, yeah. John Peters... Yeah. Those were great moments um, when he's saying Streisand, Streisand, Streisand. That was great. Um, but it didn't go crazy for it. Boogie Nights I'll take any day over that. Exactly. What about King Richard? Loved King Richard. Loved that. That was one of my favorites. Bless you. Bless you. Um, perhaps Bless you. I, I diagnose you with a, a little feather in your nose. Nice. Um, yeah, I loved King Richard. I thought it was amazing. I, I remember I actually read the script. I actually auditioned for one of the tennis coaches, um, Tony, uh, what's his name? Go, go, uh, Tony Goldwyn played the, the role that I auditioned for, and he was great. But um, Not as good as you would have been, though. Not nearly, not right. nearly. But he looks better in a pair of tennis shorts than I would. My wife <laughs> I don't will, know. My wife will assure you. Anyway... <laughs> The, the scene I remember reading at the beginning, I think I was already sobbing when I was reading the script because it just describes 
Serena and Venus's father going from country club to country club and they just give him their old tennis balls and he just collects them, puts them in like a shopping cart and gets them in his van and then drives back to Compton where they then go into, you know, some very cement tennis court in the middle of the neighborhood and they're playing in the rain and I just, I thought it was so beautiful and it's just about, you know, grit and and parents who are really driven to make sure their kids get out of poverty and they did and they were, I mean, it's amazing, their story. I still haven't seen it, I need to see it. Oh, you're gonna love it. I'm it's waiting great. to watch it with my girls. I, I wanna watch it with the, did you watch it with your girls? Uh, I don't remember if we all watched it together. I think we did. Yes, I think we watched it as a family. Yes, it, it's a good, it's a good father daughter, you know, family movie, isn't it or or no? It is. No, it's great. But I'm impressed, Jay, that you had that conversation about the birds and the bees with your daughter. I mean, my uh, my kids, my daughters for sure are, and I haven't had it with my son either, but. There hasn't really been a reason to, but, but I know that my daughters would rather be having that conversation with my wife. Oh, for sure. sure. And I'm, I'm sure my daughter would have rather had it with my wife, but my wife isn't able to do that kind of stuff. So, so she's like, she and I were talking about it. She's like, no, no, I can't do it. You have to have that conversation. I'm like, but I'm a little jealous. I think I think it's so sweet and wonderful that you had it with that, with Izzy. Yeah, but she, she thinks I'm bizarre now. Although, you know, I watch... Um, my kids, I guess, your kids are a little more sheltered, I think, than than mine are. Or, or well, I, 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 you you are making me want to share one thing off the on the heels of licorice pizza, because I decided to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High with my daughter Lila. I don't know if I thought maybe uh, it would just give her a, a little edge to have seen that, you know, like. <laughs> Oh, I'm cool. I saw Fast Times. I know Spicoli. You know, I don't know what it was. Or maybe I'm trying to seem cool to her. I don't know. But I showed it to her. And actually, you can see in the mall, in Fast Times, is a a franchise of Licorice Pizza, which is the name of a record store back in the day. That's what that movie is named after. And you see on a sign, and it came out at the same time as I was watching Fast Times with Lila. So... It was just a very cool moment of serendipity that a licorice pizza is in that movie. But there are three, count them, three love scenes. And, and I might quiz both of you to name them, but, you know, I don't know how well you know that movie. I don't. Okay. So how, so how was that the first time you watched any, anything like that with your kid? Yes. Um, and the other awkward viewing I will share has to do with my mother when she was in a hospital, which will bring us into something remotely medical on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but like, I care. I have no interest in talking about medicine yeah. despite playing a doctor for eight years on television. <laughs> um, but uh, it, was, it, it was me with my pillow over my face. That's all I could do when Jennifer Jason Lee is in the dugout with the stereo salesman, when uh, Phoebe Cates is in the uh, whatever where they change in the pool house with um mike damone and then there's one or when more. she's on the diving board what about when she's on the diving board? oh that too that too yes judge, what's his name judge what's his name judge reinhold what kind judge of first reinhold. name is judge by the way yeah. how is that yeah. a first name yeah anyway uh 
the other awkward moment was when my mother was sadly suffering from a double pneumonia. She's okay Ooh. now. She's in New York doing good. Ooh. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But uh, she, w- we watched a movie called Love and Other Drugs together. Has you have you ever seen that with I, Anne Hathaway and yes, Jake Gyllenhaal? Yes, I have. I'm it's not a sure. very sexual movie. Oh, I have. She's a drug rep. Um, maybe. Yeah, that it's might be right. Awesome. She's a pharmaceutical rep. Okay, yeah, and yes. and and they have a very liberated sexual relationship on screen, right? Which is not what mom? you want to watch with your mother. No, no matter how old you are, no matter how, how about much you've seen. So, yeah. so I could top that with my kids and with my parents. So. My father, he and I watched, what's that Brando movie? Um, Last what? Tango, Last oh, Tango yeah, yeah, yeah. Paris. As a kid, I watched Last Tango in Paris with my father. That is so weird. And it's such a, have you seen that? Do you know that movie, Rhea? I don't know it, no. It's just sex. The whole movie is weird sex. No, but it's like weird sex. It's not weird just sex. like, I mean, What's the one nine and a half weeks, right? With Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger? It's more bizarre than nine and a half. That's just like really sexual with food. Right. But but Last Tango in Paris is like upsetting, shocking, gestalt therapy sex. That I watched with my dad and there are two scenes that I have to talk about. One is the scene where they're, he and his girlfriend or whatever are doing whatever. And he goes to her, remember this? Get the butter. He tells her to get the butter. Yep. And he uses the butter as a lubricant. Oh, my God. Or lewd act. But then there's one scene that I really like in that movie. Um, she's laying on top of him. It's like this weird romantic-ish scene. And she's asking him, oh, what's this? And he's being a jerk. He's being like a pig. And he's like, that's where you can hide your crabs in, you know, and da-da-da. And then she points to his Johnson and go and and I and I still like the scene for whatever reason because I'm a stupid guy I think and she You're points a dark to his sexual being so. right she points to a schmeckle and goes what's that and he goes that my dear is your happiness and my <sighs> penis and I just thought that was I just I still to this day love that scene yeah yeah and I watched that with my dad. Oh what what a father son moment we bonded amazing you're well it, i love that i told you story of, of, of a weird awkward moment with my daughter and you trumped me completely by a really weird <laughs> sexual well, moment with your dad well even worse with my daughters i took them you remember the movie bad moms yes yeah. sure when it came out in theaters which was a while ago i took my now about 18 and almost 16-year-old daughters to the theater for some reason the three of us went to go see that movie and what's the shocking part about that movie the whole movie is about sex and raunchy sex and they're talking about sex yeah and we're sitting there and it's a bunch it's like an afternoon movie i don't know why we i was free in the afternoon and we decided let's go see bad moms and there's just a bunch of women in the audience only and myself and my two young daughters because the movie came out a while ago. And about 10 minutes in, I turned to them like, we're going. And they're like, no, dad, we're not. And they started. So I had to sit there uncomfortably. And I'm like, guys, we got to go. 
<laughs> no, no, and they wouldn't get up and go. Amazing. Amazing. And we watched this movie. The funny part, I don't know if you remember, at the end of the movie, the the car- the actresses Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. Yeah. Talk about their real life experiences with their moms, how their moms did similar things by taking them to the movie inappropriate movies and stuff. So I didn't feel so bad. So I didn't feel so bad because they were talking about out of character, you know, their real selves. But that was a horribly embarrassing, crazy moment. I, I don't think they totally got what was going on fully. Right. But it was, I, I, I don't know. I felt like a bad mom then. I don't think they were scarred from that no. experience. No, at all. they weren't. But I was. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. that's fine. We don't, yeah. We're not worried about you. Yeah, you'll exactly. be okay. I remember going to see 48 Hours, which was this buddy comedy right. Raya with... Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. and it was one. Of, it, it was the first of the buddy comedy genre, which is cop. you know buddy cop comedy, buddy cop genre. Yes, and there was so. And we went. I was in sixth grade. My brother was in eighth, maybe maybe younger. And there is so much cursing in that movie. It is so edgy. And my grand, I went with my grandparents. My my. Grandfather Baruch Siegel and Gene Siegel, who are you know humorless, and they're just <laughs> sitting there, and we're just like, "This is hell! This is horrible!" But yet, my brother and I were thrilled to watch it. I think my parents were actually more uncomfortable. God, that was a good movie. Yeah, it was a great movie, and it spawned a couple sequels. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, that movie makes me think about the song Roxanne. It's the opening scene. Yes. Right. He's singing it in the jail cell. Right. Right. And, and the point like, of the movie is that he knows the criminals and Nick Nolte's taking him out of jail for 48 hours to help him find uh, the, crim- the bad the guy. And every bad. time I hear the song Roxanne, I think of Eddie Murphy singing yep. that song. That, yep. that's, what that, that's what that did to me. And wow. Murphy, he's the best. So we met Mark how many years ago? So uh, I don't know the date of when I was doing Three Pounds, but it must have been... Uh, what, 2005, 2007? Is that possible? Oh, amazing. Maybe, maybe, maybe 2007, something like that. I, I don't, I could look it up on IMDb, but, um, yeah, I was doing this show, Rhea, called Three Pounds, which is the weight of the human brain. And it was about brain surgeons. And Stanley, well, at that time, it was, uh, Dylan McDermott was playing the, brain surgeon who wasn't that warm and fuzzy and I was the warm and fuzzy bedside manner guy. Mm-hmm. He was sort of the cut and dry genius who just looked at the patient, not like a person, but like uh, a subject and a challenge he had to tackle, you know, just matter. Right. Um, and I consulted with Jason Cohen to learn how to be the doctor with a good bedside manner because he was really? the, the paradigmatic prototype of a good bedside manner, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. And since then, how many times have you played a doctor? In my career, I have probably played at least six doctors. That's amazing. I've played a therapist. I've played a brain surgeon. I've played a heart surgeon. I've played a concierge doctor in the Hamptons. Uh, and it's, you know, it's no wonder because... You are the one who established the stereotype, which allowed me to get all those parts. 
Nice. I that was, that. My question, I was going to say, when you get these roles as a doctor, specifically, do you shadow a real doctor or do you study? We, we did. Yeah, actually, it was both Jason and Dr. Keith Black, who is a very renowned neurosurgeon at Cedars. Wow. And now yeah. when you're doing Royal Pains, the Hampton's Concierge Doctor, was that a, not a spinoff per se, but I guess a spinoff. Are we emulating the real? There is a Hampton's Concierge Doctor. I think it's, I think his name is Doctor Hampton, or something. Really? I think his real name is Doctor Goldberg. Okay, there is really? one. There is yeah. one that a lot of the uh, Yentas from the Upper East Side <laughs> use. I think his name is Doctor Glenn something. I don't know. He claims that Royal Pains is based on his. Yes, those times when like, oh, my aunt uses him, but the, the guy from Royal Pains. I'm like, well, no, he's an actor. Like, no, 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 my aunt uses him. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. no, she doesn't, but okay. By the way, the most brilliant thing I could have done, and Jay, had we been like really on this early on in the Royal Pains game, would have been to like establish a concierge medical service called Hank Med in the world and just use the show to promote it. It would have been a good idea. Yeah. Well, if we do a reboot, we'll get on that early. You and me. Okay. Early. Yeah. Early. Really early. We'll, we'll take Solace Healthcare down, baby. Ooh, wow. I'm going down. Wow. You remember everything. Well, right. they actually helped my parents when they had COVID in March of 2020. My brother, who's a fancy lawyer on the Upper East Side, <laughs> as I said, um, he sent ICU nurses into their apartment and they were there round the clock for three oh, wow. weeks, which wow. is not cheap, but was an amazing service. And they had my mother on three liters of oxygen and they were dealing with my dad's 103 to 104 fevers. Wow. And, um, and I mean, there were a bunch of eventualities over those three weeks that only by being there 24 seven were they dealt with. And, you know, it's certainly an example of the haves having great service and privilege, but, you know, as the son, I'm so happy they were taken care of. Do you ever think, having been on a doctor show for so long, that you know how to take care of people? I was going to ask that. It's, uh, it's a great question. It's a natural question, but uh, the answer is obviously no. And there have been moments where like I've been at a party where someone got stung by a wasp on their lips and this woman who already had uh, fake bee stung lips, if you know what I'm saying, is like, oh no, you know, I, I guess the, the saline is was pouring or whatever they put in there is pouring out of her lips. But she's like, doctor, doctor, can you help me? And I'm like, no, I'm not, I, you know, I, no, I can't help you. So people have actually thought you were a doctor. Yes, there was a moment on a plane when someone had passed out and they were looking around and I just ducked, I like buried myself under the seat. I do the same thing. Ah, that's I my mean, boy. If I see Ellen Pompeo, I think I'm gonna ask for something. They have got to know. They've if, got to know something? Yeah, like if I was out in public and I was like, I'm feeling dizzy and nauseous and she was there, like, I think she can help me. You probably uh, do know more than a, than a regular lay person. Honestly, no. I mean, I know, I know just as much as the average guy. He just Although, knows his lines. You could That's put a right. chest, you could put a chest tube in someone. I watched you do that. Yeah, and I and I and that day I showed up to work at six a.m. and a doctor showed me how to <laughs> shove a tube through a fake piece of plaster, and we got it for the insert. And then I forgot everything I did. I yeah. mean, I do remember 
like, is it angioplasty when you insert a tube and then you pull out the other piece and then you inflate a balloon inside a heart? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, like I knew how to do that and it was very cool because those things are amazing. Um, Did you see the movie? Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but did you see the We're talking about human ingenuity and, and the kind of inventions that make medicine so amazing and fascinating. Have you seen the movie The Rescue on Disney Plus? about the rescue of this Thai uh, soccer team that was trapped in a cave. No. no. You no. guys have to see this movie. I'm telling you, Coda and The Rescue. The okay. Rescue, it is Is so it a movie inc- or a documentary? I, I almost don't want to ruin it, but I think I have to just oh, a little don't. bit. No, okay. Doc- okay, I won't, a- I won't. Is The Rescue a documentary or is Yes, it- it's a documentary, but it, it, it retells the story by creating new footage with the actual people in the story. The director, Jimmy Chin, and his wife, Chai, recreated these moments in the caves with the actual people, like by getting them back into those situations or building a set to complement the actual footage they already had. Wow, so the actual people were So it's like not a reenactment with actors, it's a reenactment with some of the real people in the story just to keep you in the story. And it, it does such a good job. Ruin, I want him to ruin it for me. I'm not going to... You do? Fine. Okay, Rhea, sorry. Sorry, but this is just a medical, uh, like, brilliance that you don't see every day. And they came up with a solution for getting these boys, these little boys, these young boys were trapped in this cave. And because of the, the season and the rains, the water trapped them in this in- complicated cave system in Thailand and uh, they had all these like mil- mil- Navy SEALs who couldn't figure it out. They couldn't make it through the cave. But these like 45, 55 year old cave divers from England, these sort of nerdy guys who were talking about like, yeah, if you can go there with a little tank and they know how to navigate the caves, could get there, could get, and they finally got all the way through to these kids. And the question was, how do you get them out, right? Because they can't swim like cave divers. Navy SEALs couldn't do it. Yeah. So do you have any idea how they did it? Can you, have, can you, have, can you possibly guess what they had to do with the help of a, of a doctor and his wisdom? Was it some kind of hose thing? I don't remember. I, I, so I don't... what they did was they figured out a way to build, uh, to 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 make sure they were completely sealed into an oxygen mask. Right. And they sedated them and they had these amazing cave divers take them to the next rest stop cave, get them up, make sure they're still getting their oxygen and then take them underwater again. And there's all these moments where you fear that if they, if they, if they were conscious for a second, they panic and knock off their oxygen and die. Yeah. But they did it. And no one died. And no one died. You know what that makes me think of? In the olden days, I'm gonna I'm gonna spin I'm gonna give a little medicine. I may as well, right? Sure. Because it is gross anatomy, and I am a doctor. So, and I do thyroid surgery. In the olden days, the th- our thyroids control our energy levels, right? And some people get hyperthyroid, which means overactive thyroid. And if the thyroid gets overactive, someone's heart rate could go crazy fast. Someone's blood pressure could go crazy high. And you could basically have a heart attack or a stroke and die. And 
in the olden days, they had to operate on these people because they didn't necessarily have medicines to control things. And they feared that if the patient knew they were going to be going to surgery, they'd all of a sudden have a rush of thyroid hormone and maybe would die. So they used to do something called a steel induction where the patient would be admitted to the hospital and they wouldn't necessarily know why. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, someone would come and ether, etherize them and knock them out without them knowing, like against their will, and take them to the operating room so that they wouldn't have this rush of thyroid hormone. And then they do the surgery and remove the thyroid. God, it doesn't sound I, legal. It, Back it, in the olden a, days, anything, anything went. But that sounds so traumatic. Well, it wasn't because they didn't know. It'd be, you'd be asleep and the next thing you know, you'd wake up and your surgery was done. But is there no argument that in not preparing them mentally and emotionally and they wake up with a procedure having been done, that it's shocking to the, psych the psyche? It's definitely not done anymore, probably right. for that reason. Right. But it's just interesting, you know, how they thought that that was how they were able to to do that surgery back in the day. I don't know. I way before my time, but but it, you know, talked about, you know, in in the early 1900s, you know, not not that long ago, but but uh crazy. Like even I think in the probably even in the 60s, maybe even 70s they were but, doing. But I I understood the etherizing. I didn't understand what the steel induction was. What they was that? They would steal them. They stole them out of their room. Oh, you mean S-T-E-A-L induction. Bingo. I was thinking S-T-E-E-L-E. -E. Yeah. No, yeah. it was blue steel. You had to look at them a certain yeah. way. Yeah, like and that was color in. Exactly. Uh, we got to throw in the movies and we got to throw Zoolander. In Zoolander. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Mark, I, I think I've told you, it's interesting your power show that you're in. I've told you the whole life of my dad was a lot of that stuff. Yes, you have told me that. And, and I think, you know, we've talked about what a great movie or book or documentary exists in the life of your father. Who you got to figure it out. Absolutely connected to some unsavory folk. But exactly. um, you, your line from Wreck-It Ralph applies, not that your dad was a bad guy in any way, but um, I think it, it's, an, it's interesting that you love that line when your dad is a controversial figure. My dad was very much that kind of guy and larger than life, very much like your dad, who I, who I met at least once, maybe more than once, but I definitely remember meeting him at your kid's bar, the bat mitzvah. Yes. The larger than life guy. Yeah. And my dad was too. And I just, to, to throw a sad wrench in today's podcast, my dad died 12 years ago today on St. Patrick's Day. Oh my God. Isn't that interesting and bizarre and weird and strange? You know, you know what is interesting though? Like if you're, as an actor, I'm, I'm interested in human behavior. And, yeah. I, and we had a conversation about the holidays of today. Yeah. And I could feel or sense there was some import for you that we weren't talking about. And now I know why. You are so intuitive. No, I j I'm not saying that I'm intuitive. I'm really just saying it's interesting how, you know, how would you recreate that as an actor to talk about right. randomly, talk about St. Patrick's Day, randomly talk about Purim, but in my head, I know I'm talking about the day my father died. Yeah. It's an interesting color that, that 
you know, it's not that fascinating or anything, but it is interesting. Anyway. And the other thing that that has me even thinking more about both your dad and mine, and my dad more so, I've been rewatching. I've watched every season but the last season, and now luckily I'm getting my wife to watch the show because I want to see the last season and I don't want to watch it without her. And I'm talking about Succession. Oh my God, it's the best. I'm and on. that dad. That dad is a crazy larger-than-life guy. A, a bad guy, but not a bad guy kind of thing. But larger-than-life, like your dad, it, at least. But your dad is a good guy, at least from what from what I know. My dad was a little grayer, but, but certainly not the succession dad. That's just some amazing character, right? It, it's funny to bring it up. Uh, Rhea, you've seen succession? I'm, I'm still on season one. I'm almost done with season one. Okay, well, I am obsessed with it. I love it so much. Yeah. And I think Brian Cox, who plays uh, Logan Roy, the dad, is incredible. But to bring up my father in the context of Logan Roy is just so so interesting because, yes, these are two larger-than-life figures, but they could not be more diametrically opposed in terms of what you know we might say in terms of Hamishness, uh, you know, warmth my, yeah. my father is such a pillar of his community and such a giver and is always thinking about everyone but himself constantly from my cousins to his brothers and sister to uh, his family in Israel to any member of the community that needs him and your dad is a your dad is a sadik and a mensch yeah and he's and he's the guy holding the go sign on Purim. That's right. That's my dad. And and Logan is your dad Roy, the candy man? Uh, definitely handing out candy, but also like telling kids to sh- shut up because <laughs> we're about to read from the Megillah. Right, right, right. But Logan Roy, you know, is the exact opposite because for my father, nothing matters more than family. Like, and not in the way where your children are trying to steal your power and get their inheritance before they're due. It's like, I'll do anything for my children, whatever they need. Uh, Mark, I'll pay for your flight to New York if it means I get to see you and your kids. Mm-hmm. It's, I'll rent a house in the Hamptons if it means we'll all get to be together. I mean, my father's only dream talk about, you know, mobsters, was to live on a compound like the Godfather, but without all the, you know, mafia killings. Yeah. Interesting fact, I think it's the 50-year anniversary of the Godfather. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. 1972 it came out. We had a great moment, my son and I, when I watched the Godfather with him, because when they do the establishing shot of L.A., when Robert Duvall, who plays Tom Hagen, flies to L.A. to uh, make Sam Walsk the producer an offer he can't refuse by putting a horse head in his bed. Uh, And the establishing shot is of, it's basically Highland and Franklin. And on the corner of Highland and Franklin is a church. And that's where my son went to elementary school. It's called The Oaks. Oh, and wow. so it was like this moment when my son and I are watching The Godfather together. He goes, that's my school. <laughs> it oh, was awesome. Cool. Yeah. Wait a minute. Did your son enjoy the movie? He did, except 
Interesting. My son is a vegetarian because he doesn't believe in killing any living thing since, you know, like he's seven years old. That's oh. amazing. Uh, he's now 13, 13, 14. He's now 14 years old. He doesn't eat meat at all. I, I can't, I don't even understand how he, he can do it. I mean, it's wow. everywhere around him. He's in a cooking class for his immersion at his, at his Oakwood, his school right now. And they're learning cooking and they have to make an, you know, uh, exception for his meal because he's making it without the chicken. Oh, that's great. And he just, he just sticks to it no matter what. And it's amazing to me. I mean, I, I worry that he's not getting enough protein, but whatever. He's fine. He's, yeah, he's fine. He is fine. Um, but he did not love Michael Corleone the way I love Michael Corleone. I mean, I think he's one of the greatest characters in the history of cinema. And to my son, he's just this asshole who forces his wife into this life of crime who uh, just solves all his problems by by killing people, by, uh, you know, uh, killing his brother, by um, estranging every sibling he has with his own power. And I'm like, but it's Michael Corleone. It's not, it's not personal, Sonny. It's just business. I mean, what? come on. Yeah. He's the greatest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to my son, he's like a piece of shit. <laughs> I I remember my nephews, I had them watch The Godfather and a few years back and they they couldn't get into it because just the rhythms of movies these these days are so fast. Yes, that, that's, that's a always movie. a problem with our kids because right. movies are, are so much slower from the 70s. And but 80s. your kids still liked it. My son could stand it. Yes, he was able yeah. to watch it. That's but great. I'm, yeah. I'm it's not sure if my, my kids where they could watch a lot of other stuff, but I think they would just find The Godfather too slow. Yeah. Even you know, though it's... Sopranos. Right. Did you get into The Sopranos, Ray? I love The Sopranos, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, that's, the, that's the character who is, um, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a bad, I'm a bad guy, guy but I'm not a bad guy. That right. is, that's the ultimate example of that. Yeah. Exactly. All right, I got to go. Okay. Wait, wait, um, I, I have to get a picture. Yes. Of course, please. First, let me um hide myself. Okay, I'm doing it of YouTube. Look good, Mark. Rhea, you're so delightful. I mean, really? You so, oh, thank you. You're so delightful and such a wonderful presence and just a tonic in this uh, in this banter. You're oh, just thank you. You want to know? Wait, yes. We've never met. I've never met Dr. Cohen. Ray and I have not. Oh, actually- really? Yeah. That's so funny. You guys have a great rapport without having ever met in person. Never met in person. I love it. Sorry. But Be soon. Yeah, let's all meet. Let's go to Great White Large one. Yes. I love it. That would be great. Let's Mark, do it. How yes. do you like the idea of you being our Steve Martin? <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? You know how Steve Martin was never a regular character on SNL. He was never one of the main guys, but he was on it all the time. I would love to help. I would love to be on, uh, you know, more. I'm happy to be on. It'd be a delight. Yeah. You're our Steve Martin. I'm your Steve Martin, baby. Now you have to listen to me do my Steve Martin from the Wild and Crazy Guy album for just a minute. Okay. okay? Sure. Let's get, let's hear. Because you, you said it and now you have to listen. Okay. Um, Many people come to me and they say, hey, Steve, how can you be such a swinging sex god? Well, I tell you, it's not because I kind of say things a woman likes to hear like, 
Are you through yet? It's because I know how to read a woman. If she is like a cat, I have the kitty litter. And if she is like a dog, oh no, wait. If she's like a dog, we do it on the paper. I'm also a unique kind of guy. I like to have my own special odor. I call it the tuna fish sandwich. I put one or two behind my ears, three or four under my arms, and I don't smell like any other guy. Thank you. <laughs> well done. That is great. Is that Thank the wild and crazy guy? It is. I sat with that album and like just listened to it as a kid and just memorized that. Really? Yeah, that, I loved it. I, Ours was the Eddie Murphy Raw, I think. Yeah, I we'll love that too. Yeah. Norton, I Little know that you know. <laughs> you know that I know that you want to. Yeah. yeah. Or Dead Bird. Dr. Cohen, I'd love to see you act a little. I'm yeah. acting with Mark right now. I know, but like fully going. Like, can you do an accent? No. I Come on. We, I think no. we heard a little tonight. What are you talking yeah. about? What? <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? I think his walk-in was enough. My, my Christopher walk-in. That was good. Exactly. No, there's there's one doctor here at Cedars who's got this... I, I don't know if he's... I think he's like Russian or Prussian, which doesn't really exist anymore. Wow. Yeah. But I, but I could do that doctor really well. So, like, if a patient ever... And he's a general doctor. So, if a patient ever comes to me who's one of that guy's patients, I'll say to them... Let let me tell you about this lady. She's a very nice lady. And they're like, like oh, my God, that is the doctor. That's a great accent. I love that. That's all I can do. I can do that doctor. And that's it. That's all I got. That was very good. Yeah, it's a very nice lady. Has he, have you, have you, Ray, have you seen Inventing Anna on Netflix? Oh my God. What are you talking about? The wire's coming through. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, I love her accent. Julia Garner plays. She's uh, amazing. Anna Delvey, who was this con artist woman in New York who raised a lot of money for a foundation that never existed and, you know, took a lot of money from friends and whatnot. And she has this great line when she's looking at the reporter across the glass from jail and she just says, what are you wearing? You look <laughs> puh. You look puh. Great show. Crazy so story. Now, now she's still, she's monetizing off of her fraudulent behavior. Is she? Yeah, it must be nice. Like, how is she, how is she making I mean, money off of it? Did she sell the story? She sold the story. Well, no, the girl that, the, the Vanity Fair girl sold her story. But Anna Delvey, I mean, Netflix paid her $300,000, but she was swimming in, in like lawyer fees and um, restitutions. Sure. That's but good. now everyone, you know, she's rich. <laughs> I'm poor. God bless. Yeah, God bless. God bless. Except for the people whose money she took. I know, but they're rich. Yeah, that's true. Maybe yeah. she's gonna maybe she's gonna pay them all back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I have a feeling she might not, but you know, we can all dream. There you go. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. It's so much fun. This is such a fun podcast. I love that we have two sides to the Gross Anatomy podcast. There's the Anatomy is Gross, where we just talk about movies. And right. then there's the Gross Anatomy, where we get into medicine. And it just kind of goes go. back and forth. And there you go. That was great. I think that should kind of be our commercial. Go for it. You're, it. you're our Use commercial. It. Thank you. And there you go. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, guys. My talk pleasure. So good to talk to you, Rhea. You're fabulous. And Thank Jay, you. I love you, buddy. 
That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.